Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the Glow Glow Podcast. I'm your host, Kyle Quinn, and joining me today is Chris Nugent. It's been a while, Chris. It's great to have you back on. Thank you, Kyle. Yep, has indeed. Looking forward to get chatting again. Another good wee result tonight, so all good. Yeah, perfect timing. Uh, it's always good to have a win to talk about rather than a defeat, so you're probably glad that you weren't on last weekend. Um, so this weekend it was a, a, a 2-1 win at Goodison Park, which certainly isn't guaranteed. Um, we've struggled at Goodison quite a few times, but tonight we got the result, and deservedly so. I think we should have been three or four, one up at halftime. Uh, in the second half, we got a, a, a seemingly got a third goal, and it was bizarrely ruled out for an accidental handball. Um, and then we were hung, hanging on at the end with Pickford coming up for several corners. Um, we should never have got to that stage. I mean, we, we should have won the game quite comfortably. But overall, I'm really pleased uh, with the three points tonight. So what was your thoughts on the game, Chris? Yeah, I thought we played well, to be honest, Kyle, generally, yep. Um, the one thing that I was always annoyed about last season and seasons before was lack of intensity, but didn't didn't see that at all tonight. Really high tempo from both teams, to be fair. Um, game was really fast, really quick, played at a good pace. Everybody putting in 100% effort. Yep, you can still see there's sweet small cracks, you know, and uh, bits of communication and things not quite um, quite 100%. But I, to me, it looks like progress. So, yep, good result. I think it was a, I think it was a pretty good game. Yeah, and... Uh... Unfortunately, Martial pulled up after about 29 minutes and had to go off. But as it happens, uh, Ronaldo replaced him, and Ronaldo picked the perfect night to score his 700th club goal. Um, fantastic finish! It was almost like a, a rolling back to the the Real Madrid days of Casemiro winning the ball back in the center of the pitch, then playing a lovely ball to Ronaldo, who runs runs onto it and then smashes it into the net with his left foot. Um, I thought Ronaldo played really well overall. He was working a lot hard. He was working very hard. He was coming back and winning the ball back for United. Uh, he was competing in the air. Um, and I thought he had a. I, I thought Rashford wasn't at times just wasn't working hard enough. But R- Ronaldo and Anthony certainly were. Um, yeah, so I was really impressed with Ronaldo's performance and not just the goals. What did you make of him? Yeah, I thought he played well. Yeah, like you say, I kind of thought, I thought he was doing as much as he could. I mean, he doesn't have the legs that he used to have, obviously. He's 30, 37. You know, he's not going to be busting the gut all day, every day. But I thought, yep, um, he, he did really well. He worked really hard. Um, he was getting the good positions. He was laying the ball off nicely, nice wee one-twos and bits and bits of link-up play. Um, and it did seem inevitable that he was probably going to score. There was one point in the first half, I think he kind of took too, too much time over the ball. And I thought, you know, he was a bit frustrated. Or I think he caught offside. But... Um, but yeah, bar that, I thought he, I thought he was good. I thought the team overall was was pretty good. Yeah, the, I loved the the occasions where Everton were playing the ball back to their centre backs, and he would just nip in behind them and win the ball back, and and then would be on the counter. Um, yeah, and he competes in the air. There's no one else really in our team who does that. It it, it gives the opportunity for De Gea to launch it long, and he wins flick ons, um, and and it creates chances for us. So yeah, I thought he was. He had a really good game. So not someone I was expecting to see much of tonight. Um, but as it happens, he he won us the game and got his seven hundredth career goal. And BT gave Casemiro man of the match. I thought he was he was he was he was pretty decent tonight. He did a lot of things well. He 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 won us the ball back on a number of occasions. Um, and then he played. He obviously lovely assist for Ronaldo. Um, he's also, he's also very combative as you'd expect, but there was a few mistakes in his game as well. He gave the ball away a couple of times, so I don't think it was a perfect night for Casemiro. So I wouldn't have given him man of the match. Um, 
I probably would have given it to Ronaldo or Martinez or someone like that. So, what, what did you think of that on the match selection by BT Sport? Yeah, it surprised me too, to be honest, Kyle. Whenever they announced it um, at the end of the game, I was like, it kind of came out of the blue. I was like, well, Casemiro, right? I wasn't didn't really see that coming. Um, but I thought it was interesting. Um, yeah, you know, he was a fault for the goal, 100%. And then he made up for it with a, with a brilliant um, interception and then a really good pass to Ronaldo for, for Ronaldo's goal. So I guess you could say he wiped his own slate clean in that sense. But uh, but I thought it was interesting, um, the commentary, whenever they described why he got man of the match, that he, he was just making everything tick. And I think that that's maybe... Um, that maybe describes him, you know, in a way he, he can go unnoticed simply because he's not bursting forward. He's not doing the, the, the nice things as such. But a player like that who is breaking up play is kind of what we've been needing for how many years we've been talking about needing a centre midfielder. And it sounds like maybe we finally got that person who's actually going to do that. Uh, like you said, I think there's still mistakes in this game. Not so much mistakes, but more. I think he, he definitely hasn't quite adjusted the tempo of the Premier League yet. Zero time in the ball. And at times, I think he, um, you could see that he was caught slightly, um, just kind of dilly dallying a little bit. But I think obviously, he, you know, he's only he's only just um, he's only come in. I think that might even be his first start. Um, so I mean, you know, he's going to take away while to adjust. But I think his performance was very good. Uh, and like I say, I think he's doing things that maybe go unnoticed. You know, when you're watching the games because he does the wee small things. Um, but obviously, very important. And again, I have to give the, I have to give the credit to Tan Hag for that. Because we've been talking for so long about we need that player that's going to let everybody else around him play. And it sounds like maybe Casemiro's the man to do that. Yeah, he actually gave the ball away just before he won the ball back and played the assist uh, for Ronaldo. Um, I also think the the ball that he lost that led to Everton's goal, I think Anthony played it to him when he was under pressure. I don't think Anthony made the right decision there by playing the ball to Casemiro. You don't play the ball to someone who's marked that's not a good idea. So I would actually, you know, I would share the blame uh, for that goal. Yeah. Um, yeah, but yeah, I thought United absolutely dominated the first half. You know, two one was or was it was it two one at halftime? Yeah, I don't think that was a reflection of the game that we watched. Um, as soon as Everton scored, United just were absolutely all over them, and we just didn't take our chances. Casemiro actually had a, a chance, a, a free header from a, a Rashford cross, if you remember. Uh, he should have put that away. Yeah, he should have um, done. He should have done. I think and, he'd be kicking himself about that. And uh, Rashford's goal, I, I just don't understand the refereeing. I've seen highlights of the West Ham game earlier on, and there was something similar in that game where the ball bounced up and burst the elbow of a West Ham player who then went on and scored, and the goal was given. It's the inconsistency of these officials that drives me nuts. It really, really does. What do you think? I think it drives everybody mental, Kyle, 100%. And, you know, VAR, I've been saying this time and time again, I'm going to continue to say it. There's absolutely nothing wrong with VAR. What's wrong is the people watching the videos in the VAR room and the referees making decisions based on VAR. I can't understand it. Okay, fair enough. Like you said, um, yep, it bounces up and you can clearly see that it does kind of hit his hand or towards that area. But if the same, but I've seen the same thing so many other times, like you just talked about the West Ham game and the decision goes the opposite direction. So, you know, it's just, I uh, just, yeah, I can't understand that. I mean, VA, the point of VAR is that the referees can see what we can see watching the TV. They can see exactly what happens in slow motion. So they've got all the information, but yet even with all that information, they're still inconsistent in their decision-making. And that, that's the problem. Exactly what you said. 
Yeah, uh, well, we could talk about it all night, but uh, it's not something I want to focus on because then we won the game. But uh, it could have cost us the game because we really were hanging on at the end. It was just corner after corner after corner for Everton and Pickford coming up. Um, De Gea made a crucial interception at the end there. I think uh, one of Everton's midfielders, uh, was it Unana or something? I think he was going to bury one in, into the far corner, but De Gea... Uh, uh, managed to uh, get there first and tip it over the bar and, and really one of the sense. corners I think Varane uh, got in a, a crucial interception with his head uh, I think I think Peckford was going to score <laughs> only Varane got a, got a flick on I got flicked it over him and yeah so that substitution where um, Tin Hag brought on Varane for Anthony ended up winning the game as well so yeah um, yeah Good performance again yeah. there from Tin Hag yep yeah, and he said, Tin Hag said that uh, the reason why Casemiro was starting tonight because he felt that he was he was up to speed with his fitness and he, he's he's had enough time with him on the training ground to to instruct Casemiro to do what he wants. So he thought that he, this was the perfect night to to bring him in, uh, and I think it worked. And we want to see. We know that Casemiro was a quality player, and certainly compared to McTominay, you know he's miles better. So from now on, we want to see you know Casemiro being in the midfield ahead of McTominay. So, uh, well, I want I to see McTominay. I think McTominay's got a ban there, so you've got your wish very quickly. <laughs> I think McTominay's right, got yeah. a ban. It's worked out quite well. Casemiro hopefully get a wee run now because there'll be no other option, which is which is good. And hopefully he'll uh, he'd stay in the team. Yeah, uh, I thought and that, that four game sequence sequence where we won four games in a row. I think McTominay was decent, um, but you know when you pay 70, 70 million euros for a, a midfielder from Real Madrid. Uh, uh, for me, he he goes he gets, he, he walks you into the team. You know, we know that McTominay is going to let us down at some point, and he did in the City game. He was he was just totally destroyed by Man City's midfield. Uh, so he's, he's just too rash, you know that. Yeah. And he done it again tonight. He's too he's too eager to put the boot in, and that's the thing. You know, he's got himself a ban here. I mean, even if he was as good as Casemiro is, which he isn't, he, we would now have lost him. Because he's got a bomb, because he can't, you know, he just can't help himself doing silly things, and that kind of, you know, that sort of, you know, kind of sums him up. But I mean, like you say, can you buy somebody from for seventy million from Real Madrid? They won five Champions Leagues. They clearly know a little bit about about the you know playing and in, in sentiment field. So yeah, it's an absolute no brainer that that he goes into the team. Like a no brainer. Yeah, I want McTominay's role to be what what he did tonight, coming on to help us see out the game and win headers in the box and get himself a yellow and. You know, I, I don't want to see McTominay starting games and certainly not big games. Um, so yeah, Casemiro obviously going to play against Newcastle now because there's there's not really many other options, and um, which is great. Um, yeah, I was really impressed with Anthony again tonight. That's three Premier League starts and, and three goals. Lovely finish. Uh, Martial getting the assist. Nice ball there before he went off. Um, and Anthony works so hard as well. I noticed it's easy to notice Rashford just kind of walking around. He's kind of Taking over the Pogba role almost uh, Rashford at times when the other team has the ball, and um, whereas Anthony is is he's a more intense player. He's closing people down, trying to block crosses, trying to win the ball back. Um, yeah, so I've been very impressed with him so far. Yeah, he's been worth every penny of the eighty-five million pounds. Hundred <laughs> percent, absolutely, absolutely. Yeah, he's been brilliant. I think he's been great. Yeah, fantastic, uh, and. Uh, Ericsson and, and Fernandez did a good job tonight in midfield. Uh, it's great to have two creative players in, in, our, in our midfield three, and then you've got your combative player in Casemiro. I think that's the type of midfield I want to see. Not a midfield of you know Bruno, McTominay and Fred. Uh, <laughs> there's just a real lack of quality there, and you don't have an out-and-out number six. 
Um, whereas this is more balanced, in my opinion, what we have at the moment. Totally agree with Kyle. I'll agree with every word there that he said. Yeah, I know it's 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 finally finally seems to be coming together. And again, you got to give credit to Ten Hag and and uh, whoever scouted those players, and that includes Anthony as well. You know, they just. I feel like it's just the balance is, is starting to finally kind of come together now, you know, and starting to feel more like a, kind of a blended team. Um, even down to the fact that, you know, I know we'll talk about other players later on in, in the show, but um, even the likes of Luke Shaw, you know, Luke Shaw didn't do very much tonight, in my opinion. He did bugger all, but at the same time, he didn't get exposed to anything wrong. And I think that's down to the players around him. Um, that the blend is starting to come together now where players' weaknesses are being able to be made up for by other players' strengths. And that's what a team should be, you know, more than the sum of its parts. And I feel like finally we're starting to head in that direction where, you know, um, you know, where there's enough blend in the team that, you know, players don't have to be perfect all the time. Um, like you see with other teams, you know, talk a lot recently, Trent Alexander-Arnold's getting a lot of criticism because he's not great at defending. He's been getting away with it for years. They won Champions Leagues with him there, you know, and the reason for that is because they had other players around him who was able to cover for him in that sense. And now we're seeing um, that, that he's getting exposed. And that just shows you the importance of having that blend. And I feel like we're finally starting to get a little bit of that blend. So it's great. It's really good to see. Yeah, I thought Luke Shaw was excellent in the second half. Um, uh, sometimes he can look a bit casual, but I thought he was... Uh, he was he was working really hard in the second half. I even even noticed him like when he was he was he got forward and we lost the ball. He was sprinting back um, and he was seen a lot of uh, where he's like sh- shoulder tackling people and he, he's 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 very strong, isn't he? When he he's great at kind of nudging people off the ball. Um, yeah, I, I thought he was getting forward, playing some nice one twos and getting balls into the box, some nice touches as well. Um, yeah, I thought I thought he was he he was okay in the first half, but I thought Luke Shaw was excellent. I think. Uh, he definitely improved a lot in the second half. And Martinez again, uh, not only is he a brilliant defender for someone who's five foot nine, but he's brilliant on the ball as well. He's brilliant at you know carrying the ball out of defence and playing a forward pass. Um, and I think we we haven't really had a centre back who can do that for quite a long time. So it's good to see, isn't it? He's absolutely brilliant. He, he's yeah. outstanding. I re- I honestly think it's absolutely ridiculous the criticism that he got. You know, and he's five foot nine and all this here. I mean, at the end of the day. You know, gone are the days when every team in the Premier League, you know, plays long ball football and, you, uh, you know, like Everton did at the end of the game and you just have to have big, massive six foot four centre backs. Those days are gone. You know, we play, nearly every team plays more continental style ball on the ground, you know, actually plays nice football. And Martinez is absolutely brilliant at that. So, yeah, I mean, I, I, I think the criticism is ridiculous. And I think people who have criticised him um, should be feeling a wee bit silly at this point. I think he, honestly, think he's a, top quality player and even regardless yeah, i mean five foot nine is not not short anyway maybe for maybe the average height in the premier league it might be but it's not short in general and i would say that um even at that he's got a massive leap on him because he's so aggressive and athletic that it you know i doubt there's a player who play against him um you know maybe holland or somebody but not too many to play against him and say i feel like i was able to just bully him off the ball i don't think that's going to happen with martinez i think he's i think he's outstanding to be honest yeah, uh, could turn out to be your best signing of this summer. Um, yeah, uh, he's the only player that Ten Hag managed to bring from Ajax. I th- no, Anthony, of course. And um, for a long time, that was the case. Well, obviously, Anthony was signed at the, at the end of the window. Um, yeah, uh, it, it, I never would have thought, maybe ten years ago, we would see like a, a Mascherano type centre back in the Premier League. You no, know, he used to play centre back for Barcelona. 
Um, I didn't think we'd see that in the Premier League, but that shows you how the game has moved on. You know, when the Guardiola's of this world come over to the Premier League, then exactly. you start to have an influence on it. Exactly. Um, like I say, those days of long ball football and the massive, massive centre forwards are kind of gone. You know, that's that's not really it does happen, but it's not the it's not not the general trend anymore. Although Everton were trying that at the end of the game by bringing on Calvert Lewin and. Uh, they 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 do several tall players in the middle waiting for the the long balls in, but that's why Ten Hag brought on McTominay and Varane to to defend those long balls because he knows that we're not particularly tall team. Um, yeah, so I think Ericsson's probably been our player of the season so far. Just such a tidy footballer, um, his great vision and great passing range. And uh, today probably wasn't a standout game by his standards, but I I thought he was he was good tonight as well. What do you think? Yeah, like you say, I agree, Kyle. I don't think that tonight was his best game. A couple of wee bits and bobs that he could have done a wee bit better. Um, but generally, yeah, he's so, he's just, he's just such a tidy player. It, it, it's the wee things that he does that I love. It's it's how he's amazing at creating space for himself. You know, I love the way he takes the ball and he's always aware of who's around him and he's always able to just give himself even half a yard, which will just be enough to take the ball away from somebody putting pressure on him. Uh, you know, and get a pass off. He never he never looks like. Um, like like he's going to get caught in possession you know even though there's a bad ball to him you feel like you know he just has that wee bit of guile to kind of um create that bit of space for himself yeah he's just he's just he's just a top top class player um yeah i think he's been he's definitely been one of our best signings um yeah i think he's i think he's great yeah he's essentially playing the 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 role that was designated for de Jong. Um, he's playing in that kind of deep land creative role um, the, the the only downside of Ericsson so far is the fact that he's played almost every game, and we know he's he's obviously uh, he's thirty and he's had health issues. So, um, and he tends to get knackered towards the end of game. So, I just a bit concerned about running him into the ground. Um, for, I didn't think that he would start in the Europa League games, but he he think he started every one of them as well. I think Ten Hag needs to give him a rest at some point, doesn't he? Yeah, I think he probably does. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I mean, obviously, if you ask Direction, do you want to rest? He'd probably say no because, like most footballers, he just wants to play every minute of every game. Like, but yeah, I think he will have to get a rest at some stage. I mean, I'm sure Ten Hag will know that himself, and he'll kind of know when when is the time to rest them. Yeah, although unfortunately, every game seems like a must win. Um, but I think you know, at the minute we're going reasonably well in the Europa League, I think maybe he will get a rest eventually. Um, at some point in that campaign, um, and maybe get a rest for some of the kind of the cup games or whatever as well. Um, but yeah, no, yeah, I think you're right. But it's you can see, easily see why he does play every game because he is so good. And I think you make a really good point, Kyler, that he's probably kind of playing that the young role that the young would have and should have played if we had a got got that deal over the line, which um, which we obviously didn't. But uh, but yeah, I know he's he's just a tidy player. Um, and it's hard to uh, it's hard to leave him out of the team, but yeah, I guess eventually you'd have to get a you'd have to get a wee bit of time for to rest. Well, De Jong was a man of his word. He he said he wanted to stay at Barcelona, and, said, and exactly what he done. Um, whereas Casemiro, as soon he was as he was as he was given the opportunity to come to United, it, it was done just like that. So you know we should be chasing players that want to come to Old Trafford, not players who, who are not interested. Couldn't um, agree with you more. Couldn't agree with you more. Um, so I'm just having a look on Twitter here, and it's the kind of Stratford Paddock or Aquin exactly what I was saying about the inconsistency of the referees. They've just they posted a video of the the West Ham goal today, where there's an accidental handball, and they say this was today. The inconsistencies with four are a disgrace. And Henry Winter has been talking about it too. He says VAR is not the problem; it's the inconsistent application by the officials that's the problem. Rashford's handball far less of one than Gabriel's. So, 
yeah, just just radiates radiates what we were saying. It just it just drives me mad. Um, so Brish here in the comments, big up guys. Uh, Rashford was really unlucky uh, with that decision. Uh, sorry, uh, especially see, seeing as the uh, yeah, he's talking about the West Ham player, the sack, uh, the Scott. I can't pronounce that name. <laughs> the Samaka um, one Samaka. was Samaka. was given in the West Ham game. Rashford showed good composure. Yeah. And, and as soon as that goal was disallowed, I immediately thought of the, the what happened in the West Ham game, and it just it just drives me nuts. Um, but and that could have cost us three points because Everton could have scored at the end. Um, so yeah, thankfully it didn't. Um, but uh, just it just infuriates me to be honest with you. Um, so Cristiano Ronaldo, uh, seven hundred goals. Obviously, in in the summer, uh, we kind of fell out with him a wee bit because uh, he, he wanted to leave the club. Uh, for his own reasons but it's the usual kind of uh, thing in football where it comes to fans are so fickle you know as good as your last game you know he, he scores a winning goal against Everton nobody's even talking about that anymore um, and, and and I have to admit given that Martial's injury woes he's almost like Michael Owen now with all these constant hamstring injuries and stuff there's no way United can let go of Ronaldo in January unless they're prepared to spend big money on replacement which they aren't going to do uh, given the, who the owners are, so we have to hang on to Ronaldo to the end of the season because if, if, if Martial is going to keep getting injured every time he comes back for like he's two games in from his from his comeback and he's injured again, and this keeps happening, there's no way we can let go of Ronaldo in January because you know we need him and tonight can prove that, didn't it? Yeah, definitely. I mean, I'm going to slightly disagree with you what the first part of what you said in the sense of for me. I feel like United. It should be it should be a privilege for a player to play for United, and I really do feel like Ronaldo disrespected the club during the summer. And for me, if he if he left tomorrow from a club and loyalty perspective, that wouldn't bother me in the slightest. For me, I, I feel like he's he's lost some respect. But in in terms of football and from a professional perspective, you're absolutely right, Kyle. It would be mental for us to get rid of him right now because Martial has got injured again. And now we absolutely need him. And the one thing I'll give to Ronaldo, um, no matter about loyalty or anything like that, he, he is a consummate professional. And even if that's only for his own reasons and he cares nothing about the shirt he's wearing, but only for himself, he will always give 100%. And he will want to score goals and win games purely for himself and his own records and, and your reputation and whatever else. So I think that it would be mad to let him go. For me, the person who deserves the most credit for how that's all handled has been Ten Hag. Because I think that he knew, he knows Ronaldo wants to go. He knows that Ronaldo could could have been a really toxic influence in the dressing room because of the fact that he wants to go. And I think that he has managed somehow to drop Ronaldo in a lot of games, not start him, but yet keep him happy enough and motivated enough. And I know, again, Ronaldo does that on his own. But to keep him on side enough that he's not disrupting the rest of the dressing room and that when he does come on, he's doing what he did today and he's still getting his goals. So for me, I think Ten Hag deserves the bulk of the credit. Um, but you're absolutely right in what you said there. We we can't let him go now in January, even though I would love to say he wants out, he needs to go, but you can't cut off your nose to spite your face. Um, and yeah, tonight has proven how important he still is. Um, I hope, I'm hoping at the end of the season that's not the case anymore and that he's not, we, we don't need him to stay. But for now, I think we definitely do. I think you're right. Yeah, he needs to be replaced in the summer because we can see that he's deteriorating physically. But yeah, I'm not saying that... Uh... 
what happened in the summer doesn't matter anymore. I'm just saying that the nature of football is that you know things move on when when a player scores goals. It, I'm just saying that you know I'm not as angry as I was back in July or anything like that. Uh, I'm not, you know, especially when he just scored the winner in a, in a crucial game, and I'm not pissed off with him at this moment. But oh yeah, no, I totally agree. I totally agree. I guess I guess for me it's just the case of once you do that, I, I you know, I, I just think of, yeah, a lot level of disrespect is hard to then ever kind of kind of forgive in a sense. But but yeah, but maybe that's just me. Yeah, well, I don't think you're alone on that. I, I think when it, when it's all said and done, maybe some fans when they look back on it will still be annoyed about what what he did in the summer. But I think you know when he retires, he'll be he'll be still be remembered fondly, you know, overall for what he's done at the club, what he's done in his his career. Um, so the the competition with uh, Messi to score the most club goals is not over because I think Messi's on six nine one, so he's still only nine goals behind. So Ronaldo has to keep keep scoring to 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 win that particular duel. Um, yeah, so. Uh, Last week he wasn't even brought on at all. Ten Hag said he didn't want to, you know, he thought Ronaldo, uh, it, it would have been an insult to Ronaldo's career to bring him onto that game, whatever whatever he meant by that. Um, and it looked, it looked as if, if Ronaldo's not even going to come on in a derby when we've made five subs, it looked like it was the end for him. But then seven days later, he's going the winner at Goodison. You know, things can change very quickly in football. Um, no, and he wasn't even... Yeah. And he wasn't even down to start in this game, uh, but he ended up having uh, a massive impact on it. Um, yeah, so uh, it, it's I don't, and to be honest with you, I don't even care who scores. I'm just delighted that we won the game and and, and had decent performance. Um, it doesn't always, really, doesn't really the results always the most important thing at the end of the day. <laughs> yeah, if if Everton had a scored late equaliser, it it just would have been you know it would have been crushing really, and I wouldn't even been in the mood to do this podcast to be quite honest. Um, yeah, but, I mean, yeah. hard, to t- hard to take, like very, very hard to take. Because it's like a defeat, you know, when you can see right at the end of a game. Um, it, yeah, it was very nervous, and and and, I, and then just when I thought we'd put the game to bed, the, the referee robbed us. Um, yeah, so frustrating. Um, so I'm just going to move on to the the, the player ratings now. Um, so David de Gea made a crucial interception at the end, so it'll be a six for me. Um, Dallo, I uh, go with a six. And uh, Lindelof. A six will be generous, and I'm not usually quite kind to Lindelof, but as soon as he won the game. Um, Martinez, definitely a seven. Uh, Luke Shaw, seven. Casemiro, seven. Eriksen, seven. Bruno, seven. Marcus Rashford, probably a six. Anthony, a seven. Uh, Martial, I'll, I'll give him a six for the assist, and Ronaldo would probably get a seven as well. Um, and not many other players. You know, like McTominay and Verani came on, only played a few minutes, so not enough to give them a rating. So, did you go along with all that then? Yeah, I think they're fairly fair, Kyle. Um, yep, I thought you were. Uh, yeah, I, I thought your your sevens were going to be eights, but um, but that's neither here nor there. Um, same thing. Yeah, exactly. No, I agree. They're pretty much generally all round fairly solid performances. Few people probably didn't quite put in the same shift that others did. Um, for me, I was a bit disappointed with Dallow, to be honest. Um, I still think he is defensively quite quite weak. Again, uh, I think that Ten Hag has done a good job in kind of covering that up slightly uh, in the way that we're playing. But I still think he, for me, is a real real weakness on that on that right hand side. Um, I think eventually we will definitely have to replace him. Um, I would hope that by now he would have been much stronger, but he still still makes mistakes and does silly things. But yeah, apart from that, I think I would agree with all your assessments. I thought Rashford was okay. Um, I know you're you're you were very disappointed with him. Um, 
I thought he was all right. One thing I would say is that I've seen games where he's run more, tackled more, and tried to do more. But I've got more frustrated with him in those games because the, the, he was doing too much and he was doing the wrong things. And at least tonight, he looked like he was being a wee bit more um, economical, shall we say. And even, you know, his endeavour for the goal that he that was ruled out, that I think you know, probably was very unlucky to be ruled out, was all about him. Uh, making a good run, battling hard, you know, um, pushing through. I mean, I love to see goals like that. You know, it just shows that somebody is just absolutely 100% determined to put the ball in the back of the net, no matter what what's in front of them. So I, I, I thought he was, um, I thought he was good in some ways, and his ball for Casemiro, the one that Casemiro should have scored, was absolutely top class. So I think he was a wee bit unlucky in some ways to not get um, a goal and an assist, um, which maybe then um, we'd be talking about him and saying, oh, he had a great game, he got a goal and he got an assist. Um, so. Yeah, but apart from that, I would agree with all your assessment. Um, but yeah, I think maybe Rashford, you, you were a wee bit harsh. But, but yeah, again, just just a personal opinion. I think he was good in moments. You know, the, the, like you touched on there, uh, is, is the time he had the ball in the back of the net and obviously the the ball he played in the Casemiro. But he's just not working. He's not working anywhere near as hard as what Anthony was doing in the game. Um, and there's times where I wanted to see him take on Seamus Coleman a lot more. Seamus Coleman is 33, nearly 34. Rashford should have the beating of someone like him. And he was just going to, when he receives the ball, and as soon as like an extra man comes over to mark him when he's double marked, he just passes the ball back. He doesn't try and, I think when he wants, I see him take them on. And he, he created an opportunity by doing that. He just wasn't doing, just wasn't doing enough. Just playing it, keeping it safe too often. I hate to see wingers passing the ball back. I want to see them take on the fullback. And cross it in, don't you? No, I definitely, definitely, definitely do. One hundred percent. I do wonder though sometimes if that's if that's a tactic though by Ten Hag because again, I I've been more frustrated when when Rashford does too much and loses it, knocks the boy out of play, or so. As I know exactly what you mean, and we do, and we, that used to be our problem in the past. And under Van Hal, certainly observation was way too many side and backways passes and far too much safety, and we did that for a lot under Solskjaer, and that really frustrated me. So I don't want to see. More of that, but I guess there are certain times when that is the right approach. Um, but I know what you mean, Kylo. I think it's it's difficult to say because, um, you know, like you're talking about, I guess we want to see Rashford being dynamic, pushing forward and taking players on at the right times, not doing it too much, not doing it too little. And I guess that's maybe maybe he hasn't quite got that balance. I think in the past he was doing it too much and it was it was silly. And uh, maybe maybe now he's not really doing it enough. So maybe he'll find a happy medium eventually. Um, so I know I see where you're coming from, um, but yeah, I think I think there is a balance there. And again, in a way, this is what we've always talked about with Rashford is we find his decision making was always what frustrated us, and maybe that's what we're still talking about in a sense is that previously his decision making was to take a ball on when he shouldn't have done that was poor, and now you're saying and I understand what you're saying is that he's passing the ball back when you want to see him taking it again. That's a decision that he's making that maybe isn't quite right. So I think maybe he still has a bit of a way to go. Um, but coming back to, I know I'm praising Ten Hag a lot, um, but you know, coaching coaching that Ten Hag will give him will hopefully improve his decision making, um, because that's what Dutch footballers are known for, aren't they? You know, they're, they're tidy footballers, they're technical, they make the right uh, decisions at the right times, and maybe he'll get there. Um, but no, I agree with you. Yeah, he, he still can be can be quite frustrating. There's no two ways about that. Yeah, definitely. Um, I didn't know Exhibit the American rapper was a United fan, um, but he I says here. Um, three days ago, there was some streamer that, that argued that my, with my comment that Martial will get injured again if he if he starts. And let's keep him as a super sub, so small chance of injury. And they said, 
want to say he'll not get injured, and, and he has done. Yeah, um, it's becoming a, a bit of a worry now. He's he's a player who Ten Hag praise him again. Um, has installed a lot of confidence in him. He had a brilliant preseason, and any time he's appeared this season, he's had a, he's had an impact. He scored goals. He's got assists. Um, the problem is he hasn't appeared in that many games because of injury, and I think that's the third time uh, since preseason that he's got injured. So it's it's really frustrating considering that he's re, he's rejuvenated, but yet he can't stay fit. Uh, it's it's very annoying, isn't it? Yeah, it's really really frustrating. Yeah, I mean he's he started off really well this season, like you said. Kylie's had a bit of a, a kind of a revival under Ten Hag, and he's shown a lot of promise, starting to get a lot of praise. I mean, we we no no United fan has ever said that Martial is a bad footballer. We've always said he's an absolutely brilliant footballer, but he just can't seem to be consistent enough. He can't stay fit for long enough. He doesn't put the application in, and it really looked like he turned a bit of a corner this year. And he kind of came out a little bit out of the blue because we just thought his career at United was kind of done and dusted, and it was kind of over. Um, so it's really frustrating that he's got injured again. I mean, all I can hope is he walked off, um, and it's and I don't know if you were watching on BT, but it showed the uh, the camera picked him up coming in uh, up the stairs, I think, heading towards the changing room, and he was still walking, you know, slowly, but he didn't look like he had a, a horrendous, you know, long term injury. So I'm hoping it's just something small, and um, that he's only be out for a few weeks and he'll be back again. So hopefully, it's not going to be a massive, massive setback. But yeah, um, you know we need him to stay fit, and uh, you know, and if he can just get consistency and get that confidence in 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 his football and and in himself physically, hopefully he can he can he can be a big player for us this season because he, he's definitely starting to look like, like like he actually could be. Yeah, and in the past when we've been critical of Marcel and Rashford, it's uh, it's not that we think they're bad players. I just think that both of them got so much more to give than than what they were producing, um, and just Rashford tonight, I just think he. He didn't produce what he's capable of, uh, and we he had a, he was good in moments, but that was it really. Just and just not working hard enough off the ball. I mean, if if I was watching as a teammate, if I was watching how hard Anthony and Ronaldo were working. That that would inspire me to do the same. But he just was kind of just jogging around and, uh, for for long spells of the game when when Everton were in possession. I don't I don't understand that. Um. So. Uh, what did you make of the, the the celebration from Ronaldo? He appeared to be like meditating, and then Anthony kind of joined in. Uh, it was it was a bit un, a bit unusual, wasn't it? But they, I think some people found it amusing. I don't know what he was doing. Yeah, I kept looking for Casemiro because Casemiro played the ball to him, and then they were talking about the whole Madrid thing. And it was almost like at one point I thought, is he waiting on Casemiro to come? As if like, yeah, you know, thanks for your congratulations, but I'm waiting on the guy who played me the pass to come. I'm waiting, I'm waiting, I'm waiting. It took him a while to arrive, so I don't know if it was if it was that. That's kind of when I looked at it, what I thought, but it was I don't know what he was doing. Um, yeah, I think I don't know. I think. I think sometimes Ronaldo likes to look like he's he's cool, you know, it's as if like, you know, I've scored a goal, but you know, I've scored bigger goals in my career, so you know, it's just another kind of a goal and I kinda of play it kinda of cool. I don't know, sometimes I think there's a wee bit of that goes on. Um, but yeah, it was a bit of a bit, bit of an odd one. But I don't care what way he celebrates, if he keeps scoring goals, he can celebrate whatever whatever way he wants, in my opinion. Yeah, yeah. He can he can do any celebration in the world. It just it wouldn't he can do what he wants when he scores. Yeah, it's the same with any player. Exactly. Um, <laughs> as long as he scores, I don't care what he does straight afterwards. Yeah, and Alex Shaw from ESPN agrees with what I was saying earlier. He says that Varane header absolutely stopped a certain Pickford goal. You know. Uh, yeah, it was a crucial interception. We just uh, got his forehead on it and tipped it over Pickford's head to stop him from scoring. 
Um, we, we didn't want to be sitting here talking about a, a goalkeeping goal against us uh, right at the end of the game. But uh, yeah, and, and Varane, that was his first touch, I think. He came on for Anthony you know, just before that, as we, when we were defending the corner. So Ten Hag got it right once again. And ten, or didn't do a Ten Hag rating. Uh, I think Ten Hag definitely gets an 8 out of 10 tonight for me. <laughs> maybe even a 9, maybe even a 9, but sure. We'll split, we'll split the difference. Yeah, and on one thing that I, that I love from managers is when they're barking out instructions on the touchline from minute one to minute ninety, uh, you know, kicking every ball as the cliche goes. You know, in the past we've seen Solskjaer sitting crossing his legs, watching the monitor uh, up up in the dugout. We've seen Van Hal sitting sitting writing the whole time, uh, very uninspiring. I know Mourinho is, is is similar to Ten Hag in that respect, where he's always mostly on the touchline. Barking at players, I want to see a manager get involved in the game. You know, like Guardiola does and Klopp does. You want to see uh, it's more inspiring, isn't it? When a manager is is like Conte is another one. When a manager is very intense on the touchline, it's kind of it's what I prefer to see, and um, than someone just sitting in the stands, you know, watching a monitor or, or writing things down. Yeah, no, definitely, no, hundred percent. I mean, as as a as a fan, like it, it's it just looks. It just looks like they're more involved and stuff. But what I always say is, it doesn't matter what we what we think; it's what the players think. And I think that actually, it's probably more inspiring for the players too to see that, and it keeps them on their toes. And that's that's the most important thing of all. So yeah, I totally agree, Kyle. I think um you you'd rather see that um than see somebody who's just sitting making notes and yeah, sitting with their feet up watching watching a monitor. Totally, totally agree. Yeah, and he's a very hands-on coach on the training ground. I don't think we've had that since Van Gaal. Um, trainer coach, um, where you know the last few managers, uh, the Mourinho and Solskjaer and Ranić were kind of managers, um, that just kind of observe and then make the team selections. Where their coaches take the sessions, where Ten Hag takes the sessions himself. Yeah, and I always prefer that. To be honest with you, I want I want the I want a manager who's also a coach, you know, rather than him giving you know delegating the responsibility to other people around him. So. Yeah, that's really good to see as well. Yeah, it always got... seems it always seems like a good thing. Yeah, although that said, yeah, Ferguson for probably I would say most of his the, the good uh, the successful years wasn't necessarily just doing all the coaching. So I do think that there that you can have yeah, it doesn't need to be just all the one way. But yeah, totally, I totally agree. We, you'd, you'd much rather somebody who's hands on definitely. Yeah, well, that's, uh, Alex Ferguson's a different beast altogether. He can, he can do whatever he wants. Um, but uh, what what he did great was he kept changing the the number two and uh, you know modernizing, you know, bringing in uh, Carlos Quiros, for example, was you know, modernization really. Definitely. Um, and 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 someone who worked under um, Ferguson uh, during the the travel years uh, is part of the coaching staff at the minute now. Um, <laughs> I don't know. I'd always kind of, and when I first heard that one, I thought it was a strange one. Well, Steve McLaren, what? <laughs> but you see him now, and you kind of go, yeah, do you know what? It's all right. And it seems to work like, you know, and he was there uh, during the Fergie the Fergie years, um, and he, he did pretty well. And then, yeah, you see him and Ten Hag seem to work great together. So, yeah, it's it's uh, it's kind of nice to see him in the dugout, to be honest. Yeah, I think Ten Hag wanted. Um his regular assistant Mitchell van der Gag with him and then he wanted someone associated with United and he knows Ten Hag from their time together at FC20 where I think McLaren was the manager and Ten Hag was his assistant um, was it 13 years ago or something and they won the, the, the Eredivisie together there so yeah I don't think uh, I don't think uh, McLaren is quite as senior as he was under Fergie but he's I think he's more of a number three now really but uh 
I don't, I don't really mind who who was part of the coaching setup. Ten Hag, I think, I just think it was important for Ten Hag to get whoever he wanted. Yeah, that that was. Exactly. You, know, you know, you don't want. To, I hated this kind of. It's been the odd time where it's job jobs for the boys at United. You know, you know, you know, ex players getting jobs in the boardroom and or um and you know, like Fletcher for example and uh, you know. Ran Giggs being Van Gaal's assistant, and uh, Solskjaer had, you know, Carrick, and uh, you know, it just seemed to be a whole lot of, you know, ex players getting getting roles. Um, and and we don't, I don't know this for certain, but it, it felt almost at times that these co- that the the new manager was was having these ex players forced on him. You know, we we have to have someone from the past and uh, part of your coaching setup, um, because that's the way we do things here. But, as a, P- a PR stunt, to be honest, that's all it, look, it looked like to me. A lot of the time, it was a PR stunt. You know, it was something to, whenever things were going bad, they kind of remind fans of the good times, you know, and kind of make them give them hope that the good times were about to return. Um, yeah, we could talk all day long, Kyle, about the things that were done at board level at Man United the last few years, um, and all the problems. And I think you're right. I think you're right to point out that that was another one of the problems. Um, but Steve McLaren. There's no two ways about it. Has uh, pretty good coaching credentials. He's been England manager. He's managed FC Twenty. He's been at Man United. I don't even know where else he's been. He's been. Uh, he's had a. He's had a really, really top level career in in a few countries across Europe. So you can't argue with his credentials. Uh, and like you said, you know, it's nice that he has a sort of um, that kind of history with the club as well. Uh, which is the ideal scenario, in my opinion. You know, I've, I've talked in the podcast before, and we had some uh, differences of opinion at times. And I said that I would always, I would always rather have if you've got two equal uh, coaches or managers um, that you could pick from. If one has history United and the other one doesn't, well, I would always go with the one that's got the history United over the other one, simply because it's always a nice bonus to have that. But they have to have the credentials to start with. Uh, and too many times in the past, we picked players, and all they had was the history. They didn't have the credentials. Um, or, or sorry, coaches, but um, but yeah, certainly with uh, McLaren, he's got both. He's got the credentials and he's got the history, so it's it's win win in my opinion. Yeah, I think uh, like I say, it's it's just crucial that the manager picks his own assistants. Uh, and McLaren, uh, while he's had a very mixed career as a manager, as a number two, I think he's been out, outstanding. So uh, I wasn't I wasn't disagreeing with that selection. Um, so. Frank Lampard uh, was very magnanimous after the game. He, he says uh, on Ronaldo scoring 700 goals, he says, outstanding. He's one of the greatest players that has graced the game um, with Messi, both incredible players. I wanted him to score the other night uh, when he came on. Sometimes uh, those things happen. I give him huge credit. He is amazing. Um, yeah. That's just... Uh, I think what he went there was he wanted Ronaldo to get that 700th goal in the Europa League rather than it happening against Everton. Um, of course. <laughs> but, but I think, yeah, I'd much rather he'd done it in, in, a, in a crucial Premier League game rather than... The Europa League really is boring, isn't it? Especially the group that we have. It's very uninspiring, isn't it? Um, playing against teams from Moldova and Cyprus that, although we've made hard work of those games, um, but uh, it's not it's not exactly the Champions League, is it? We're playing against... You know, Milan and, and Bayern and Barca and Madrid, you're playing against, you know, just fodder, really. Um, yeah. And it's, I know Sociedad is, 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 was a bit more of a test. And the problem in the Europa League is that we, we're going to have to go to San Sebastian and win by two clear goals. Otherwise, we're going to be second in the group. 
and that means an extra round against a team that drops out of the Europa League. That's the format now. If you top your group, you go straight into the last 16. You finish second, you play a Champions League dropout in the round of 32. So um, we might have blown our chance to win the group by by um, losing that game at Old Trafford against Real Sociedad. Um, we definitely want to avoid that. I think you're right. You know, I mean, at the end of the day, you want to play. You don't want to play more games in a season. You want to play less games. Um, so you, you don't. You definitely don't want to play an extra game. Um, yeah, I mean, the Europa League. Look, at the end of the day, I think we all know what the Europa League is. You know, it's a, it's the second string. Obviously, uh, I mean. We hadn't won it a few years ago, and then we won under Mourinho. And that year, I was happy we won it because it was nice to add that to the trophy cabinet. Um, but really, in reality, you don't want to be adding more UEFA Cups or Europa Leagues as they are. You want to have um, Champions Leagues, European Cups. Um, so, yeah, I mean, it's never going to fill fans with the same level of enthusiasm um, as the Champions League games do. But but I guess it's where we're at this season. And I always want to win every competition that we're in. And that we're in the Europa League. Um I guess I want us to make the most of it and try and go and win the Europa League, uh, and that that would be that that would be a successful campaign. Um, but yeah, really in reality, all you want to do is get back to the Champions League, and hopefully, 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 maybe next season three one means or another, whether it's our uh, finishing top four in the league or by winning the Europa League, hopefully next season we'll be back in the Champions League. That's that's the aim, I think, isn't it? Yeah, I want to win a cup this season if possible. Um, the Europa League is probably the best one to win because it guarantees you a spot in the Champions League. Exactly. Um, exactly. I'm currently sitting in fifth position, so if, if that's how we finish at the end of the season, then winning the Europa League would be would be massive. Hundred um, percent, absolutely. I, just the fifth is okay at the moment. You know, Chelsea, Spurs, City, and Arsenal above us. Um. If we can put a run together, we can get ourselves into the top four before the World Cup. But the big concern for me is that goal difference. We're still sitting on minus two there. And that is because we keep get, we've keep we had two thrashings, one by City and one by Brentford. We need to, when we have a, an, we can have an off day against City because they're so good, but we need to avoid these. Get, you don't, we don't want to get slapped around by any more, anybody else, uh, you know, apart from City. Um, and that, and because we're when we lose, we lose so badly. We're sitting on a minus goal difference, even though we're we're fifth on the table and we're on a minus goal difference. You know, the only people that should have a minus goal difference is people, you know, twelfth and below. You no, know, not someone sitting in fifth position. But that's because when we ship goals, we ship goals, uh, yeah. and 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 it gets ugly. <laughs> like that, that, that pretty much sums it up. You couldn't put it any other way. Like, yeah, you know, we're winning games by a goal or two, but when we're getting half, we get beat, we're getting absolutely destroyed. And that's exactly what that is. Yeah, but it's just, yeah, you've just described it exactly how it is, guys. Um, but yeah, I mean, hope, yeah, you can only hope that that we've learned some lessons from these absolute trouncings and that maybe, um, we're gonna, we're not gonna let them happen any, uh, throughout the rest of the season, but. Um, yeah, against City, you can kind of forgive it a wee bit because they're just um, they're just a bit ridiculous, really. Yeah, um, great team, and obviously now they've got probably the the best striker in the world, bar none. Uh, he just seems like he's going to rip up all the goal scoring records. Um, completely, completely. I think somebody joked earlier saying Ronaldo's got his seven hundredth club goal. Holland will beat that by the end of the season. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, yeah, it's it's laughable, but flipping out the guy, the guy is just insane. Like he's a he's just a lean, mean goal machine. Yeah, I shouldn't say that on a Man United podcast because we don't want to be picking up city players. But come on, you know we're all football fans. At the end of the day, you, you got to recognise talent when it's in front of you. Uh, to to give to give something a little bit of doubt though, 
um, which I think I might have said maybe in a text message to you or somebody earlier, Kyle. Um, I'm going to give a little bit of spark for Man United fans is that, um, you know, interesting thing for me about Holland, again, and we're, we're not here to talk about City players, is that uh, City don't normally play with a, an out and out striker like that who they're relying on for, for all their goals, not that they're relying on necessarily. Um, but it'd be interesting to me see to see come the end of the season if City have for having them in the team, if their actual number of goals scored is way, way, way higher than it has been in previous seasons, or if it just becomes more focused with the same number of goals or roughly the same number of goals, but Haaland getting a much bigger percentage of the team's goals than other players would have got. Um, so I just think that'll be an interesting to see is how much has he improved City. On the face of it, he himself is just phenomenal, really mean goal score machine. But he could, he could be sweeping up all the goals that maybe other players would have got across the team. So it'll, I just, I just, I'm not saying that he, that he won't do that and that they won't score way more goals with him in the team. But I just think it'd be an interesting point to see is it just that their style of play has changed and he's taken the goals they would have previously got from other players. But yeah, who knows? Well, who knows? But even against United, Phil Foden got a hat-trick as well. Um, well, that's yeah, totally true. Absolutely. Yesterday, I think they had four different goal scorers. Uh, he, he, I think he got the last one. So... Yeah, they're, they're, the, the, the other the other players are still contributing massively. And Cancelo, what a player he is. Um, you know, he's almost wasted at left back. Um, he's just a creative force. Um, yeah, they're brilliant. But again, trying to give United fans hope at the end of the day. Yeah. Um, so Newcastle next weekend. I know we've got uh, Omana again in the Europa League at home. You think we'd, we'd walk that no matter who we play? Um, so Newcastle, it's good to be at home again. Newcastle just below us in the league. By a point they've had three wins five draws and a loss so far so they've only lost one game so i imagine that's not going to be easy but we're at home you know we expect to get the three points here and um, so if if the players that are playing well at the minute they continue to do that then uh hopefully we'll, we'll win that game because we want to start building a bit of momentum after the the the, the thrashing away to city we want to we want to win a few games in a row although that's going to be difficult because we play Newcastle, then midweek is Tottenham, and then that weekend is Chelsea. So if we if we get nine points there, we're doing massively well. <laughs> yeah, it's going to be tough games, very, very tough games. Yeah, interesting to see how they pan out. Yeah, so after all the talk of Man City being unbelievable and scoring all these goals, Arsenal top of the league still. You know, that, that that's almost been forgotten about. Um, but nobody really expects Arsenal to, to keep up with Man City throughout the season. But we, we the last thing we want is this to turn into uh, the Bundesliga where the same team wins the league every year and with City being so good and having Haaland now there's a danger of that and just hoping that Guardiola's not going to stay there forever I just hope there's a drop off when he leaves they, they can't possibly replace him with someone better or someone equal it doesn't it does not I don't at the minute I can't see anyone out there who's going to come in and do as well as he uh, has done um, domestically, anyway. Um, once Guardiola leaves, hopefully, even with Holland, there'll be a drop off from City. Uh, what's I'm banging on, anyway, to give I us a chance I, to win the league. <laughs> yeah, well, I think there will be, but at the end of the day, Kyle, you know, I remember what Ten Hag said, you know, when he first came in, and, and I think a journalist asked him, um, you know, Klopp and Guardiola, um, and there you go, <laughs> look at Liverpool, you know, Klopp and Guardiola are so dominant, you know, the last few years in the league. And they're great managers, and they're you know eulogising about how great they were. And um, do you think that you know you can displace those managers? And Ten Hag just said, "Yeah, I don't see why not." 
And I absolutely agree with that. At the end of the day, you know, we're still Manchester United. You know, we, we, you know, we were the team that you're talking about. We were the boring team that was dominating the league throughout the 90s, 2000s, winning league after league after league. And other people probably said the same, but, you know, I love to see it. It was great. Um, so, you know, I think um, Ten Hag, um, I wouldn't take anything away from him. You know, I think that he's got the credentials. He's got the tactical nice. He's got the the ability and, and, the, and the knowledge. Um, to build teams that are just as good as Guardiola's teams, um, but it's just going to take more time. You know, he's only come in; he's only in a few months. Um, but yeah, I don't see why. I, I mean, I, I would love nothing more than to see the kind of rivalry that Liverpool and City have had um, the last few years with United to be in that mix as well and be that team that's pushing them. You know, and and you know, right to the last day. So, um, so yeah, I, I mean, I would as much as you're right. I would love to see Guardiola go and it all falls apart. But at the same time, from a football perspective, I'd really love to just see. Ten Hag and Guardiola go toe to toe, and with two two great teams. So yeah, hopefully, hopefully United will be coming back soon, um, and we'll be starting to challenge for leagues as well, regardless of who's who's managed other teams. In a way, guess doesn't really matter in a sense. Well, Ten Hag will have to be back to make that happen, um, and, and the noises the noises come. I don't want to. This is a conversation for another day. I don't want them dampening my mood. Um, but John Murdoch has already made it clear there'll be nothing happening in January and next summer. The level of spending will be decreased, you know, compared with, with this summer. So that already is kind of annoyed me. Um, but th- th- it's the it's the usual glazernomics. Um, so Ten Hag is not working it under the same conditions as Guardiola. Uh, Guardiola can exactly. buy a goalkeeper like Bravo and say after one season, say he's not good enough. Get me an Ederson for seventy million pounds or whatever. Um, that doesn't happen at United. Um, he can 100%. he can replace his whole team in one summer if he wants to. Um, he's he's got a striker who's on reported nine hundred grand a week. Um, it's, it's not going to happen to Man United. Like you know, we're, we're, uh, there's ha- half the revenue has been taken out of the club by the owners, uh, which is a disgrace. Pope, we've talked about it more. many times. Couldn't agree with you more. Couldn't agree with you more. I don't want to. I don't want to go down a path that's going to depress me after winning uh, Goodison tonight, which we don't always do. Um, yeah, so I'm uh, very pleased with the result. I want to build on it now and gain some momentum, even though it's going to be difficult, like I say, with the, with the fixture list. It's it's very challenging. Um, but w- another thing that we should celebrate now, we can't go without celebrating this. We're five points ahead of Liverpool, who are down in 10th position, and they lost again the today. Um, that's definitely something worth celebrating from a United point of view. Always good to see. It's always good to see. There's not a United fan who doesn't like to see Liverpool lose. <laughs> Let's be honest. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, from a yeah, from a pure footballing perspective, it's 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 a bit of a shock to be honest. I I am surprised that Liverpool have fallen so far this season. I really am. I did not think that they would completely capitulate. Um, I really don't know what it's down to. I know Mane left. Um, and they've had some some injuries and bad luck, but I mean, it seems like a massive, massive drop off, and that they seem to be badly exposed. Like I said, like Sir Trent Alexander Arnold getting a lot of a lot of criticism. You know, we always knew he wasn't a, a great defender, but like I said earlier, you know, teams are more than the sum of their parts, and other players and the way their tactics were working, it was it was uh, protecting them, and that's not happening. Um, but yeah, from an United fan perspective, Kyle, only too only too happy to see it. Um, but yeah, but it is it is a bit of a strange one. I have to say, it's 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 very very old to see. Yeah, Trent and Van Dijk look a shadow of the players they used to be. It seems to be a psychological issue. Um, the, the, every midfielder they have, apart from Fabinho, I think is in, is in their 30s. Some of them well into their 30s. They look tired. Um, Salah is just, uh, since he got his new contract, he has been the same player. Uh, I, I even, not the, I know it's not the Liverpool podcast, but I even said uh, last season when it was 
basically a, a, a very badly kept secret that Manny was going to go to Bayern after Salah got the new contract. I would have, if I was them, I would consider giving Mane the big contract and letting go of Salah because I thought he was playing better last season. Uh, he was getting many, many crucial goals for them. So to lose someone who gets so many important goals and then Salah, he's just not on it this season. You know, it's a, it's a, it's a massive loss for them. Um, I can see him going. I can see my, I can see Salah leaving. I really can. Um, and people may say that's crazy. He's just signed a new contract, but I wouldn't be surprised. Um, and I mean, there's no loyalty in football, as we know, you know, these days. I mean, you know, what would keep him there? If he, you know, if he's not playing, you know, they're not winning leagues or chance for leagues and going for Champions Leagues and stuff. I don't see why he would stay. And I wouldn't be surprised if somebody did come in for me, why he wouldn't go. And and being that he was running this contract down and by leaving in the middle of a big contract that Liverpool would come out more money for him, he would be doing them a service by getting that big, a big transfer fee. Um, probably the I don't I'm not sure what age he is, but probably potentially the last big transfer fee that, that, that would be commanded for him in his career. So I wouldn't I won't be shocked if he goes. But like I say, it's not Liverpool podcast at the end of the day, so it doesn't really make any difference to, to United. But um yeah, that that's my top and source. Yeah, um a, a real chance for us to finish above him this season, although that's not the number one priority. The number one priority is to try and get as close to the top as possible. Um but I'm sure, like me, you're not getting many tax te- messages from Liverpool fans these days. Uh, Don't probably... hear from them at all. I actually think they've all <laughs> lost, lost my phone number, Karen. Maybe they've all lost their phones. I don't know. I'd never hear from, never hear from them. Never hear from them. Yeah. All quiet. All quiet. Maybe it's just a coincidence that they, you know, the people who don't contact me anymore are all Liverpool fans. Um, Maybe they've all just got new numbers or something. It's, it's a bit your strange. Phone bill, your phone bill must be, you must be saying a lot in your phone bill at the same time, Kai, which is always good in the, the current financial climate, you know, with the energy crisis and stuff. I'm sure it's probably probably a good thing for you. Yeah, definitely. Um, yeah, I'm keeping more more minutes and more text messages, you know, not not responding to all these Liverpool fans. Um, but yeah, they have they've just gone completely quiet. And, and why wouldn't they? I mean, last season we had to listen to all this stuff about them how they're going to win the quadruple and they, they finished with two domestic cups and i think that's contributed to their form as well um the they've they've just it's flattened them you know losing the champions league final losing the league or the final day of the season when it looked for all the world they were going to win it uh, said he scored like three goals in five minutes to win the league i think um, you're right and I, th- I think the thing as well that you forget and I, and I did think about it when they lost the champions league final um last season is that it, t- it takes so much out of a player and so much out of a team. You know, Roy Keane talks about it all the time. You know, winning leagues and Champions League, it's not easy. You know, it's an entire year of sacrifice and hard work. And, and you're right. And when you keep getting so close to the end and, and the only payoff is that trophy and that medal at the end of, at the end of the season, when you don't get that, it feels like, you know, they talk about second being first loser. It feels like you've put all that work in and you've got nothing. And that's bound to be a little bit deflating. Um, you know, success definitely breeds success for that reason because you feel like you get a payoff from your hard work. We're not getting that payoff. It probably is pretty deflating. Yeah, I think you make a good point there. So maybe that has, um, your bread probably has contributed to why they've, they've dropped off this year. Yeah, I'm so devastated. Um, so <laughs> is there anything else that you, you wanted to talk about? Any other United-related topics that you wanted to bring up? I think that's it, Kyle. I think, I mean, we could talk a lot. I think the only other thing of note that, but, you know, I don't want to uh, deliver the point too much, as you say, I don't want to, to completely depress you. It would be some, I guess, of the uh, of the stuff around the Glazers and some of the um, the protests that have been happening, um, which I personally I personally think are, are a good thing. 
um, reminding people that, yeah, we're having a good season-ish and we're making progress under Ten Hag, but not to forget, just as you mentioned, um, that at boardroom level, things still aren't as, as good as we would hope for them to be. Um, and I think the fans, in my opinion, need to be united um, in feeling that until things improve, um, from a board perspective, that there's still the best thing for the club still needs to be a change of ownership. Um, and until other things improve or that, or that happens, I think that we all need to just um, get behind um, each other and say that yeah we all want we all want the same thing um so how that happens and when that happens i don't know um but yeah i think it's just good to still remember those things uh, as you mentioned uh we get too easily blinded by you know good performances and that's not and the other and we all forget about the problems at the root of the club um and it's just good to just keep those things in mind until until they improve or things or things change so yeah that's it really yeah well there's there's strong rumors that they they they're the, the club's on the market you know they're not they're not saying that publicly um but uh hopefully that is the case because the i mean the commercial revenue is drying up um if we're not in the Champions League this season the likes of the adidas money will be cut uh by like 30 percent or something um the the ronaldo gimmick hasn't paid off you know where commercial revenue hasn't gone up as a result of having ronaldo mm. so they're they're running out of options they're running out of ideas so they're they're now talking about having a very limited budget next summer for the team. So, uh, and, and the, the money that's required on the infrastructure is massive, and they they're simply not going to pay it. But so hopefully they're looking for a way out now, and that would be brilliant for all parties. Yeah, absolutely. Yep, I think it would be definitely. Yeah, again, you know, the only rumours I I don't know when, what's going on. It's been say it's been all quiet. Um, and that front you don't hear as much about it and um, we always hear much more about it when things are going really badly and the media gets on board with all, what the fans are saying and you know fans get more vocal and all these things and you know we get chat about you know jim radcliffe and stuff like that and what's going to happen and, and stuff like that but yeah when times are good it easily gets forgotten um but you're right kyle you know there's still things going on in the background obviously and, and fingers crossed that maybe we will end up with a change of ownership i think most people would agree most fans would agree that's probably a good thing uh, and I think it'd come to a point maybe where the where the Glazers agree as well. Um, but we'll see what happens. And uh, like I say, it doesn't really matter to me um, who the, who the name is on on the on the on the owner's door yeah, as long as they're doing the right things by the club. But um, that hasn't been been the case for a long time. So yeah, we'll see how. Another going. option that they've got left, uh, I think, um, apart from selling the club, would be to do what Barcelona have done: basically sell uh, future sell off future profits. You know, future commercial revenue. You know, sell the naming rights to the stadium and stuff. That's that's basically all they've got left, um, to to try and raise some funds. But uh, it seems like it's coming to an end, and and hopefully it is. Um, and there'll be no shards of suitors. I mean, you look at the auction for Chelsea whenever that the Chelsea went up for sale. It's massive. You just imagine the amount of people that will be interested. Rich people will be interested in buying Manchester United, and we know who one of them is. You know, Jim Radcliffe, um, the richest man in Britain. Um, but there'll be many more. There'll be there'll be American entrepreneurs. There'll be you know people from the Middle East who who want to get their hands on Man United because it's a it's it's obviously a, a, a very prestigious asset to own for any rich person. So there's going to be no shortage of people who will be you know, will be bidding for United if, if it is up for sale. No, uh, definitely not. <clears throat> definitely not. All we want is responsible owners. Um, well, well, we don't need a sugar daddy. We just need the club's revenue to be used on the team. You know, that's all we ask. Not, not, not having it, not having half of it taken out and spent on dividends and you new know, debt and interest on the debt. We just want the money that the club generates to be be put back into the club. 
I mean, it's not that it's not that hard. We're not. I'm not asking for the earth here. You know. <laughs> yeah, no, you're right. You're absolutely right. You, yeah, you're hundred percent. I. That's exactly what I think too. Yeah, but we're not. You know, we're not wanting somebody to come in and you know and take the club and you know change it around and make it this completely different thing. Like you said, Manchester United are a global brand, extremely prestigious. Millions and millions of fans all around the world. They make a lot of money, and all we want is you say you say. The club that did not be used to service debt or to um for dividends for for you know investors we just want that to be put back into the club and the club to um be successful yeah nothing wrong with investors making money as well that's fine um but not the detriment of other things like you know the the stadium falling to pieces and the holes in the roof and you know the training ground being out of date and and stuff like that and yeah that's just, we just want to see the club being run the right way that's all we, that's all United fans ever want. Yeah, it's a real pity that, you know, the likes of Gary Neville and Roy Keane and David Beckham and so on, Paul Scholes, don't have that kind of money. I mean, they're millionaires, they're not billionaires, so they can't really afford to buy the club, but uh, someone like Gary Neville buying the club would be the ideal scenario, but uh, I don't think that's going to happen. I mean, no, no, totally doesn't have that kind of cash. No, totally agree. That, that's exactly an idea for what we would have, 100%. Yeah, a rich um and uh, owner like Gary Neville who lo- has a club absolutely uh, through and through at their heart but yeah unfortunately yeah it's it's not not really realistic but yeah although he goes through managers like confetti at Salford City so uh, I'm not sure <laughs> uh, <laughs> maybe the trigger happy there uh, at the club oh, that he runs because um, yeah. he talks he talks on Sky Sports about giving managers time and that's the complete opposite to what he does at Salford and he's even yeah. admitted that he, he made a mistake and in, in, in sacking a manager uh, at Salford when they were like in, in the playoff spots I think when he got a, and, he, and then a year later he admitted that it was a an error on his part that he, he jumped the gun too early um, so yeah you know you know, as a former player he loves the club he's brilliant to have him there as as, as an owner even though it's never going to happen but then again he, he could be someone who's a, who, who pushes the panic button too early as well yeah, as, he's, yeah. as he's done at Salford yeah um, plenty of owners like that I'm sure not just him yeah absolutely yeah, um, yeah. Jim Radcliffe sounds good. You know, he, he's from Oldham, and I think he's a Boyhood United fan, and and he's you know he's mega rich. So that would be you know, an ideal scenario, and for him to come in and spend money on the stadium and the training ground, we need to modernise. You know, because the the Glazers have neglected the infrastructure for so long, um, and they're not going to pay for it. You know, uh, for that to, for that to happen, the club needs to be sold. So yeah, um, things are looking okay on the pitch, um, and if if the ownership changed, uh, that would be fantastic as well, and it would give us the opportunity to compete with City a bit more if we had more responsible owners. Um, so yeah, uh, wrap it up there. If everyone can please subscribe to the podcast, uh, give us a like in the video if you're watching on YouTube, and comment your thoughts down below. And uh, I'll see you again then, Chris. Yeah, Kyle, thank you very much. Great to be on as always, mate. I'm sure I'll see you soon. Okay, see you later. Take care.